You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 11 Many Combinations Gabriella, Day 4 of Frigga, Midwinterfall, 1884 The lunch that Harry ate was sorcery for the taste buds, and yet she barely noticed food was passing her lips. Within moments of them sitting down in front of a wide variety of beautiful miniature sculpted food in colours that would put a rainbow to shame, she had grabbed a fistful of recycled paper napkins and was sketching new rough blueprints for potential leg extensions. Penny placed herself perpendicular to her at the adjacent rhomboid table corner and joined in the drawing with designs of her own. The fact that the legs I'm wearing are powered is a problem I want to solve first. Harry murmured as Truth eyed her from across the table and nibbled on what looked like a miniature pink and turquoise French cake but tasted like filet mignon and the freshest seawater. The V2 legs need to be able to just run and run on my own energy. I've been working on something like that. Penny put in, drawing a curve on her own napkin. They would be springy, allowing you to bounce and move. Metal. Durable. Flexible. But keep the holsters. Those are working fine. I'll need to be able to balance. Again, with just the right combination of sturdiness and flexibility. The design session went on. Truth manually pushed food into Harry's mouth while she was breathing in the right direction. They need to be light. They need to return to one predetermined shape. A line to propel you forward if you shift your weight deliberately. Strong. With a grip on the bottom. Mmm. 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 That one was good. Tasted like chicken. Not a foot. Something less complex. But a reliable, versatile attachment. Fit for standing, walking, and running. So Harriet, what do you think of the social pairing back where you're from? Calendula asked, seemingly out of nowhere. Most of the food had been eaten. Half an hour had passed in the blink of an eye. And Harry and Penny's side of the table was a pile of improvised technical documents. Huh? Uh, uh, what do you mean? Well, as I understand it, you pair off one man with every woman. Um, I, I don't... I mean... We've not found a man for Harry yet. Truth butted in. I don't think you will. I think, um... Something, something Tabitha said to me last year. Uh, sapphic? At this, Truth blushed and tried her level best to bring the conversation to more trivial matters. But there was no stopping it. Cal had a glint in her eye. Would sapphic mean you enjoy the taste of a lady? She asked, popping something chocolatey and minty into her mouth as she leaned on her elbow, studying the extra-dimensional beings. Now it was Harry's turn to blush. I mean, yeah. I think so. I'm not interested in guys. Well, that's rather... promising. Truth, you told me women in your world only had eyes for gentlemen, and even then only one at a time, to bind themselves to for life under your guard. Now we find out young Harriet here has other predilections. Harry blinked at this. For the first time, the fact that Penny and Cal were married was in focus for her. She had been taking in so much information upon entry to autumn that this connection had eluded her attention. So... How I am is common here? Well, if you don't like men, you limit your choices. Cal looked pointedly at Penny. But yes, most of the ladies in this world at the very least are... What was it you said? Sapphic? I like to think of myself as omnisexual. Why shut the door on possibility? How long have you two been together? Penny opened her mouth and shut it again. Cal tossed her hair airily. 
Five sons, and she still won't happily bring a man into our bed. I'm so fascinated by the idea that y'all think two is enough, and that your women only started dedicated careers equal to men in the last few sons or so. It's bizarre. Sounds like we could most definitely teach you all a thing or two. She grinned mischievously. Harry glanced around and saw two well-behaved little girls, clad all in white, enthusiastically eating their lunch, sat across from two women and a man. So you... So you hang on. If the women are all out working, and have been for a very long time, who looks after the babies in this world? The men. Obviously. Cal scoffed, eyeballing the rugged husband of this trio. They're the strong protectors. They keep the house in order and provide whatever is needed of them. It's their sacred duty. Harry sat back and thought. Her world got fuzzy, and she resisted the compulsion to slip backwards into her forest, staying instead in the here and now. Hmm. So, if you would usually bring in a man, could three women get married? She asked shyly, not looking at Penny. Oh, that happens. You get powerhouses sometimes where three or four are working full-time at once and one or two are maintaining the home. You get old lady parents with no men around at all who never bear any young and don't we all feel sorry for those types. H how about two men? Harry thought of Jeremy and Donald's place in this world. Cal grimaced. Yes, that happens too sometimes. You know, when gentlemen just want to make life hard on themselves. Waste of talent and resources, if you ask me. And what about just one man and one woman? Truth asked. With every other combination you describe, is there still room for... Well, not tradition, not here, but it must happen, surely. Again, yes, that happens, but the poor dears live mostly below the breadline. If only one of them works, they usually can't afford much of a house. I'm betting it's worth it if they love each other. Harry put in. She had surprised herself with this. Her brain had been rushing down avenues of practicality, recalibrating itself to accommodate these new structures. But she found herself in a place she didn't often stray to, a wistful corner of her brain that might be described as romantic. Truth nodded approvingly at her sister. I don't think they would do it otherwise. Penny finally spoke. For some people, you love who you love, and that is indeed enough. Cal's expression softened as she reached across and stroked her wife's hand. You're so sweet. And she's right, of course. We do love who we love. It's just that most of us, the normal, regular, old-fashioned, traditional trios, can see the practicality of opening our hearts and houses to a life that benefits more than just two. And from that lifestyle, we get so many wonderful, clever, adorable children who are raised in loving, respectful households. The family sat across from them had definitely heard some of what Cal was saying. The husband got up and kissed the two women and his two girls, each in turn. And before he departed, he spoke softly. Back to work. See you tonight, my dears. Gabriella, Day 5 of Frigga, Midwinterfall, 1884. A day later, upon the second visit, Calendula opened the apartment door and stalked inside, spinning around with a flourish. Come here. 
Make yourself very literally at home. Oh, this is lovely. Truth gushed as she wheeled Harry through and towards the open plan living area. I pulled a few strings. Try out the couch, it's very comfy. Cal, have you stayed here before? Penny asked from the doorway. Once or twice. How'd you guess? The kitchen smells a little like poison army. A very popular aromatic. Anyone who's anyone wears it at least once. And you're probably just smelling me from the doorway, but well done anyhow. Try the main bedroom, Harry. Big bed in there. Luscious. She said this last part whilst widening her eyes at Penny and cocking her head coquettishly. Penny blushed at the thought she was having thrust upon her and went to help Harry out of her chair. This is all too much, said Truth as they gathered around the bed. The great wide windows overlooked a dazzling view of the city. She can stay here as long as she wants, while these various projects pan out and evolve. Harry lay upon the bed and imagined what it would be like to slip on clever mechanical legs and hop down to the carpeted floor, to pace around these rooms as the light of a new morning streamed in through the blinds, to spend each day in a strange, fascinating new workshop where Penny would be. She suppressed this thought, rolled over and buried her head in one of the soft pillows, which did indeed smell of poison army. Harry screamed into its cool folds with a release of laughter and adrenaline. Are you all right there, young maiden? Cal asked, smirking at this display. Harry was snapped back to awareness of her surroundings. Yes. It's, it's, it's incredibly kind of you to, to, to arrange this. I can see you like it. Penny, darling, I do have to pop off to work now. Would you mind minding these two for the rest of the day? Absolutely. I'll show them around. Cal jangled the keys in front of Harry, who politely took them with thanks. By the time the elevator, a contraption Harry was memorizing the mechanics of for application back at Langley, reached the ground floor of the apartment block, Truth was already bowing out of the tour. She had her own workday to attend to, and with her sister now in the care of the first person to elicit a positive reaction from her since the Steamheart expedition ended, the deputy director could get back to her unbearably stressful daily routine. Once Truth had been dropped off at the wind door, the talking started between Harry and Penny as they inquired about each other's worlds. It lasted all morning as they were conveyed to Penny's place of work. Up there in her lab, her current projects were laid out and attended to as Harry watched and refined the diagrams for her new non-powered legs on draft paper with access to the kind of tools and materials she could utilize for their construction. The two of them beavered away at their individual tasks, talking all the while. So you were paired up with this Dr. Penrose for the dance? Penny said, using a tactile resonance glove to adjust the crystal alignment on an ornate hand. Yeah, Mr. Butler and, uh, and Annie. Harry paused a moment, shaking away the sudden pang of overwhelming sadness. They caught me staring at Abigail and thought I had eyes for James. Well, it sounds like if men pair off with women in your world, they would have been rather surprised to know the truth. So did you and this Abigail ever get together? She asked this innocently enough, but her eye crept over to watch Harry's reaction. We did, actually. She was... Um, she was my first. Your first love? Um, 
my first uh, partner. But yeah, now that you mention it, I did. I mean, I do still love her, yeah. Harry was blushing hard now. But, but not romantically. More like a very close friend or, or a sister. I know exactly what you mean. And are these friends of yours all waiting for you back home? We should bring them here. Get you and Abigail a party to dance with your new legs. No. Annie died. Oh. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean... Oh, no, it's alright. I have to tell you this. We were all friends on Steamheart. That was this, um... Self-propelled carriage mobile that, that I constructed. We have those. They're called automotives. Yeah, I saw. But the one I built was big. It was... It was a home on wheels. And we went on a long, long road trip. And I learned a lot about myself out there. But... Annie died. Protecting us. And... Mr. Butler got into a very dark place in his mind. And killed a lot of very bad people. And then we were rescued, I suppose is the term, by the ones who were supposed to be our allies. And they were led by a man named Mr. White. And he did this to me. She pushed her chair backwards and gestured to the stumps at the end of her jeans. And just recently... He hunted down Abigail. And now I find out that she's gone too. Not dead. Just lost. Off in another world. Maybe like this one. Maybe. Maybe actually this one. Harry was adrift in possibility for a moment. Would she see Abigail here in autumn? Would Mr. White still be after her here? Was it safe? She switched back to their conversation. So, so anyway, um, sh she's gone. And James is just out there waiting for her to come back. And I, I wonder how a person can go from having so many friends to being so lonely. At this, Penny turned to her and said in a low, steady voice, you don't have to be lonely here. They regarded one another for a moment, and Harry nodded. I'm not. Thank you. It's nearly lunch. Let me take you for some food. We'll go outside properly this time. Just keep that hood of yours up over those lovely rounded ears. Harry obligingly covered her head, blushing once more. And after that, we'll go and meet my friend Ganny, where he works. You'll know a few more people here, too. That sounds very agreeable. Tell me about this big cat you mentioned. Sure. You know what a tiger is? I know there are great felines out in the far forests, but we do have something called a tigret in this part of the country. They're very small, though. And so, on it went.
You have been listening to episode 11 of Stone Spring Maidens. Many combinations. Written, edited and directed by Alexander Shaw. Truth Arlington and Penthesily Renwick, performed by Theo Lee. Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Calendula Renwick, performed by Sharon Shaw. Working Father, performed by Kevin Vahey. Narration by Alex Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Panama, performed by Louis Bacon and his orchestra. Harlem Shuffle, performed by Lloyd Scott and his orchestra. Winter Reflections, performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes, including Lush World by Tabletop Audio. Stone Spring Maidens is available in a gorgeous paperback from Amazon.com, along with the previous nine stories from the New Century Multiverse, and the three newest, Panther Soul, Nightfall of the Wendigo, and Back in Time Plus Space. You should be listening to Through the Wind Door. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Marty Huey, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. 